0: Good morning, good morning. You are listening live to your favorite health and wellness talk radio show, Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. I am your host, Dr. Carissa. Welcome to another episode. So happy that you could join us today let me adjust my mic here. There we go. That's better. All righty. So I hope you all are having a fantastic day today. We have a special guest that will be online with us in just a few. But before we get into all of that, let's start as we always do. Shout out! Shout outs to my number one fan. Hey, mom. I hope you are having a fantastic morning today shout out to family in opelika alabama norfolk virginia Lusby, maryland virginia beach virginia newport news virginia houston texas temecula california fort campbell kentucky cedar bluff alabama charlotte north carolina college park georgia ladson south carolina hobbs new mexico macon georgia myrtle beach south carolina pensacola florida oxford north carolina center alabama Woodbridge, Virginia, Chesapeake, Virginia, Gadsden, Alabama, Seattle, Washington, Hampton, Virginia, Washington, D.C., Columbus, Georgia, Centerville, Virginia, Memphis, Tennessee, Columbia, South Carolina, Las Vegas, Nevada, Phoenix, Arizona, Baltimore, Maryland, San Antonio, Texas, Belize City, Belize, Fayetteville, North Carolina, and Greenwood, Mississippi. Uh, As I say, we love to add new listeners to our radio family. So if you tell me where you are listening from, your city will get a shout out on our next show. As I said, we are live today coming to you from our studios here in Atlanta, WWE Real 1100 AM. Uh, You can stream this show at www.real1100.com or you can watch us on Facebook and I see some Facebook family has signed in. Good morning. Signed in and are listening. Thank you so much for that. Uh, So on our Facebook page, Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa, we stream live every week. Alrighty. So you can catch the rebroadcast. Of course, this is on our Facebook page and so you can watch it anytime you like. Um, You can also catch us on YouTube, Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. You can catch us on Sundays at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 12 noon Eastern Standard Time, as a part of the 22.3 Takeover Vegas Radio Family Broadcast. We are also a part of the Old Fashioned Health Network as well. Follow us on social. On Facebook, we are Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. On Instagram, at Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. And on Twitter, at Minutes Doctor always need more people to uh, click like and share with their friends I te- I say tell anyone about our show right tell someone that you like tell someone that you don't like tell anybody about our show we definitely um, need more listeners and welcome more listeners as well as you all know so here it is as we are almost closing out February and that went by fast didn't it it's like my goodness Your favorite health and wellness talk radio show, this one, has been nominated for several awards, and I found out, thank you, and I found out this week that we actually won an award, but I don't know which one it is. I won't find out until um, we get to the award ceremony, which is in April, but The 22.3 Takeover Vegas Radio is presenting their third annual radio awards, and we have been nominated for Favorite Talk Show, People's Choice Award, Radio Personality of the Year, The Lit Award, Best New Radio Personality, the Team Spirit Award, Sexiest Radio Voice. I don't know about that one. Uh, Wouldn't that be hilarious if that was the one that that we've won? And Favorite Variety Show. I think voting is still open. So, text Carissa, C A R I S A, to 702 872 1080. Your votes will still be counted, I believe. And at any rate, thank you so much for the support. All righty, getting into our COVID updates, as we always do. So, worldwide, we are at 414.5 million cases that have resulted in an unfortunate 5.8 million deaths worldwide. Uh, Worldwide, 10.2 billion with a B vaccine doses have been administered, and that is an increase from last week. So it is good to know that we are slowly but surely vaccinating the whole world. Uh, In the United States, we are at 77 million cases that have resulted at 915,000 deaths, uh, which is just scary that we're approaching a million deaths from this, Uh, and we are at 531.6 million vaccine doses administered. So I'm going to do a little new segment here where we just kind of briefly talk about some things that you need to know, and that's the name of this segment, You Need to Know, uh, YNTK. So COVID infections are dropping Yay. Uh, As of the week of February 7th, showed an 18.2 percent decrease in new cases compared to the week prior. However, deaths have increased by 0.5 percent. So not a tremendous um, jump compared to what we saw this time last year in, in 2020. Um, which is good, um, but deaths are still happening. And I mentioned this because while I think that we all need some encouraging news on the COVID front, um, you know, I just want you all to still continue to be careful because, um, you know, a lot of places, as we mentioned last week, a lot of places are relaxing their COVID guidelines. I was watching the news this morning and I saw that the Coachella Festival is just, going free, you know, just free for all. So no mask, no proof of vaccination required. And, you know, just come as you are, however you are there. And so, you know, I think that a lot of um, a lot of events and such are kind of going that way. Um, But COVID is still here. It is still infecting people, um, you know, and so I want you all to continue to mask and wash your hands, social distance, quarantine if you're not feeling well, get tested uh, and get vaccinated, all of those things. Travel restrictions are being loosened all over the world if you are vaccinated. So if you are vaccinated, no testing is required. So prior to this announcement this week, right, um, it had been where if you traveled abroad, you needed to test 24 hours before maybe 48 hours before you boarded your flight and then test once you landed and then test again for the trip back home right which is um, uh, cumbersome and and I'll be honest with you has kept me from traveling internationally um, because that's just too much for me Um, but now if you're vaccinated no testing is required in the following countries Aruba Puerto Rico the United Kingdom, Ireland, France, Sweden, Norway, Finland, Denmark, and Greece. So, you know, what what that is, you don't have to do all of the pre-testing and testing once you get there. Of course, you want to check um, with that country's Department of Tourism to see what requirements there are so I'll give you an example with France when you get there you do have to show proof of your vaccination and you get a little QR code you have to buy I think you can get them from pharmacies or whatever Um, and you buy the QR code and that is your your pass if you will to go into public venues So, you know, they scan this QR code and it shows that you have been fully vaccinated and and so on and so forth. And therefore, you're good to enter. So it is still not completely just go where you want, do what you want to do. Um, And then, of course, there are still rules in place for unvaccinated individuals who wish to travel. Um, Again, using France as an example, um, they have a thing where you have to show proof as to why you need to enter the country. So it can't be just, you know, I just want to go to Paris because doesn't everybody? um, I know I want to go back, but you have to show some reason why um, you are um, trying to enter the country. So now the most important you need to know this week, and this is huge, and I haven't seen a whole lot about it in the news, in the mainstream media, unfortunately. Um, But this is huge. So the New York Times is reporting this week that a third person has been cured of HIV infection, which we know, you know, HIV has been around since the 1980s um, and lots of advances in treatment in terms of the regimens and cocktails and such um, that allow people with HIV um, to live longer and live, uh, live well, we hope. Um, but there had not been really talk about a cure until till now. So now a third person has been cured of HIV. So there is a new transplant method involving the use of cord blood, the stem cells um, that are in cord blood um, that are um, stem cells of what we call pluripotential, meaning that they can become anything um, once you know once they get into. Um, whatever system that they are going to be a part of. And so what they're doing is a a bone marrow transplant, if you will, with the stem cells. So they completely eradicate your bone marrow and then give you these stem cells um, that will become your new immune system and, and all of that. So now the two previous cured patients received bone marrow transplants from donors that carried a mutation, actually, that blocks HIV infection. And apparently in the world, there are about 20,000 of these individuals who carry this gene. Um, And, of course, you know, with any uh, transplant, there's potential for what we in the medical community call graft versus host, uh, commonly called rejection, right? Um, But this particular recipient, so the first two really had a hard time with... um, with graft-versus-host experience, um, you know, and that can be a very, very rough and uh, life-threatening, actually, um, experience. But apparently this person is a woman. This woman did not have that because they gave her not only the the unmatched stem cells that would eventually become her new bone marrow and and new immune system and such. But they also gave her a transplant from a matched donor, so from one of her first degree relatives. So the report is that that has eased um, her experience and she has not, as of yet, um, experienced any graft versus host. And I believe that, um, you know, she spent about 17 or 20 days in the hospital and is now um, recovering at home, uh, has no trace of HIV in her system at all, no viral load, no antibodies, uh, and is is doing very well. So that is tremendously exciting, in my opinion, um, you know, for a lot of different reasons, because there are millions of people that are living with HIV um, who, you know, could be cured if, if this is something that um, becomes mainstream. And that is tremendously exciting. And, you know, just talking about the, um, the core blood cells and how what they can do they really are amazing Um, you know so the science nerd in me is just kind of I was reading that and just kind of geeking out a little bit but anyway so that is what you need to know this week in medicine we're going to take a brief break. This segment has been brought to you by Freeman Moore Medical, Medical Consultants, uh, your premier disability consultants. If you need assistance with a new or uh, appeal disability process, please reach out to them, www.freemanmoremedical.com. And we're going to take a brief break, and we'll be right back. You are listening to Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. We'll be back after this
1: break.
2: Are you looking for compassionate, knowledgeable, and affordable pet care? Then Just for Pets Wellness Center is just right for you. We are located in the Bella Rosa Shopping Plaza at 8911 Daniels Parkway, Suite 7 in Fort Myers, Florida. We are open Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. And on Saturdays, by appointment. Call us today at 239-270-5721. Or visit us at www.just4petsfl.vet. And we're on Facebook and Instagram, too. To listen to the Wellness Enclave with Dr. Donna Sewell a podcast that explores emotional health and its impact on everyday life. In The Enclave, we will address emotional health and how it is connected to other parts of your life, such as physical health, relationships, spirituality, and even decision-making. The Wellness Enclave with Dr. Sewell can be found on Apple Podcasts and Spotify.
0: And we're back. Welcome back. You are listening live to your favorite health and wellness talk radio show, Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. And I am Dr. Carissa. So this month, as we know, in February, we are focusing on heart disease. And in a few minutes, I'm going to introduce uh, to you all a heart disease survivor. But before we get to her, let me just tell you a little bit um, about our topic today. So, you know, when we talk about heart disease, that is such a broad, broad category, right? Um, And so some may ask the question, you know, how does that manifest? Itself, So, you know, we're familiar with chest pain. You know, that's one of the the main symptoms that we say of heart disease. Um, But there are different ways to experience heart disease, right? Different things can happen to your heart. Um, So, you know, there's variety in everything. And there is with heart disease as well. So today we're going to talk about heart failure, and and our survivor um, is a heart failure patient, actually. So, you know, heart failure, also known as congestive heart failure, also known as CHF for short. Um, And it's somewhat of a misnomer when we speak about the failure part, right? Um, Because sometimes we think about a failed heart, we think about a stopped heart, which is definitely... um, definitely a bad thing to experience Um, but what congestive heart failure or CHF really is is a failure in terms of the efficiency of the heart's ability to pump blood through the body right and so we talked about that last week when we talked about the heart being a very very special organ and we talked about how if you make the heart work harder instead of becoming stronger it actually becomes weaker Right. And so that is one of the distinct things about the heart musculature in and of itself. And congestive heart failure um, is sometimes the result of that overwork of a heart. Two mechanisms. So either the heart can't because the muscle walls have become so thin and they don't squeeze as they should. They don't have what we call contractility. Um, So they don't squeeze and pump that blood through through the blood vessels out of the heart and into the body um, as they should. Or on the other side of the heart, um, the heart can't fill up because um, the muscle walls are so thick that it has made the cavity so much smaller. So you have less volume of blood that gets pumped out with every, with every beat. Um, and so that is equally bad, right? And so um, here in the United States, there are about 200,000 new diagnoses of congestive heart failure every year, and that is a tremendous number. Um, most common causes, we talk about coronary artery disease or disease of the arteries of the heart in and of itself. And risk factors for that, we have mentioned it. I'm sure you all are experts of this by now. Our uh, risk factors, high cholesterol, hypertension poor diet, diabetes, uncontrolled diabetes, sedentary lifestyle, smoking, obesity, and stress. But less commonly, uh, genetic diseases, infection, autoimmune diseases, and drugs, for example, chemotherapy, can also cause congestive heart failure. In terms of symptoms, most patients commonly experience shortness of breath, extreme fatigue, arrhythmias or differences in how the heart beats, um, beats off rhythm, and edema or fluid buildup. And I think a lot of us are familiar with the fluid buildup because if you've ever met someone with congestive heart failure, they may have swollen feet, swollen legs um, there. So let me get into introducing our guest. I'm going to pull up her. Stuff. Hold on one second. And see, this is why I did this the wrong way. Here we are. Here we go. On the line with us, we have Dr. Catherine Toomer. So here we have, she is a physician who also is a heart patient. Uh, Dr. Toomer is a family medicine and community health physician and founder and CEO of Health Wellness and Weight Loss Centers, a virtual coaching platform for optimizing health and wellness through weight loss and maximizing weight loss through targeted health and wellness measures. Dr. Toomer created what became her one-to-one Whole You Total Weight Loss Program 20 years ago when she was an obese An insulin-dependent diabetic and diagnosed with congestive heart failure, but she was told that she was too high risk when seeking help to lose weight and control her diabetes. Using the program that she developed, she lost 60 pounds in six months, got off insulin, and survived her congestive heart failure when she was told she had a 50% chance of living five years she has now converted her program to a new online group coaching course, Course, excuse me, Total Wellness and Weight Loss. Dr. Toomer lives in South Carolina with her husband, two labradoodles and an empty nest. And I have her um, website and information about the course and I will post all of these links uh, on our Facebook page in just a second. But we want to now welcome Dr. Catherine Toomer to the show. Dr. Toomer, hello. Uh Uh-oh. Hello. Dr. Toomer?
1: I muted myself so I wouldn't make noise.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hello. So good to hear from you. (laughs) Hello, how are you? I'm well, thank you. So I'm going to tell you all how I know Dr. Toomer. Dr. Toomer and I met through a a mutual colleague at a conference where we were learning how to uh, take our medical degrees and turn them into uh, profitable businesses and other ventures. Um, That was kind of the um, one of the births of this show. Um, and we had the same uh, business coach, Dr. Una. Shout out to Dr. Una and the and D family. Uh, and so we met there and talked about, you know, how we could work together and, and so on and so forth. And we, I guess we're still trying to figure that part out. But one of the manifestations of that is, uh, you know, when I, I called her up and I said, hey, you know, I would love for you uh, to come on and share your experiences um, on my show. She immediately said yes. Which is always a blessing. So, thank you, thank you, thank you for sharing um, your time and your experience with us today. So, let's get into it. So, we know that you have congestive heart failure, and you yes. also had been diabetic and had obesity as well. So, you had, mm-hmm. um, you know, big, big risk factors there with the diabetes oh, yeah. and, and the obesity. So now, what symptoms were you experiencing? Because I can imagine if you are obese um, and, you know, you, you're not exercising and that kind of thing, you can feel tired and not really, really think a whole lot of it, which is the dangerous part of, of heart disease, right? That we can easily attribute the symptoms that we're having to other stuff. So now, what symptoms did you experience that, that made you know that something was
1: wrong? Well, first I'd like to mention there is one other way of getting congestive heart failure and that was how I got it. Okay. Now I have a question. I'm hearing an echo. Are you hearing an echo also? I just want to make sure you're...
0: I am not hearing an echo on my end. Okay,
1: good. (laughs) Okay, good. I'm using a microphone, so I just wanted to make sure. Gotcha. Well, the one other way of getting congestive heart failure, which is how I got it was actually through pregnancy. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. I was, I, I was, I was, um, obese and I was, um, a diabetic and I, well, I still am. You're Mm -hmm. always a diabetic, diabetic. but it was a month after, (laughs) it was a month after my daughter was born Hmm. that I was diagnosed and it was pregnancy related. Interesting. So it was actually missed initially because the symptoms were fatigue fluid overload, which is swelling of the legs, um, difficulty breathing when lying flat, waking up short of breath, which are all related to pregnancy. Pregnancy, exactly, yeah. And so it initially wasn't caught as congestive heart failure. Mm-hmm. In fact, I was misdiagnosed as having pneumonia. Oh, wow, Yeah.
0: wow. And, and all of those symptoms can be with pneumonia too.
1: Exactly. Usually you don't have the leg swelling. Right. But you were pregnant at the time. um, So there you you are there. Mm -hmm. The other thing that happens with congestive heart failure sometimes is that you can have a secondary heart infection, endocarditis. Mm -hmm.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: So even so you can get fevers with that. Yes. And so I had a fever. And so the assumption was the fever was from pneumonia because I couldn't breathe. My oxygen levels were low. Hmm. And um, I was just extremely fatigued right? And short of breath. Wow. So
0: that is something. But again, you know, as we have said, you know, all of those things are, you know, those symptoms are just so common to a lot of different things. You know, that, you know, you here you are with a newborn and you're tired. Shocking. Right. Yeah. Um, you know. No one would think, you know, if you said, you know, I'm just really tired because, again, you know, newborns don't care about your schedule. They don't care about your sleep and all of that stuff. So, you know, who hasn't had a newborn and just been exhausted? Right. Exactly. So, you know, so that is something that, you know, it would be easy. And I think as women, um, we tend to I know I did, you know, with my diabetes, um, you know, just tend to think that the things that we're experiencing are because of something else. Like we always jump to something else first. Right. Yes. Um, and, yes. And we kind of downplay. And in doing that, we delay our diagnosis. So luckily, you had that fever that kind of triggered at least an evaluation or a workup. Right. So. So how did you. So they thought you had a fever. They, well, you had a fever. They thought you had pneumonia. So now how did that translate or transpire into the actual diagnosis of, of congestive heart failure?
1: Well, um, I actually knew uh, to be concerned about congestive heart failure from pregnancy. Okay. When I was a resident, the very first patient I lost was uh, from the same diagnosis. She was 17 years old, just had a baby, Wow. had congestive heart failure, and then went into an arrhythmia, and we couldn't pull her out of it. Oh, my goodness. So in the back of my mind, I had the diagnosis, mm-hmm. but the combination of fear postpartum depression, Mm
3: -hmm.
1: illness, depression Mm
3: -hmm.
1: combined. I just was in complete denial.
0: Not uncommon.
1: Yeah. Not uncommon, especially in medicine. It's like, if you know too much, you either jump to one extreme or the other. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And so my husband at the time was a fellow, a radiology uh, fellow
3: Mm -hmm.
1: and he looked at my chest x-ray when I was diagnosed with pneumonia. Mm -hmm. And he said at that time, you know, Catherine, that looks more like failure to me, Mm. but I'll defer to the more experienced radiologists. Hmm. And so we just left it, said, okay, it's pneumonia. I took my antibiotics, didn't get any better. And then two weeks later, I was feeling so horribly and my husband had to travel out of town and fortunately his parents lived not too far away so mm. i went to their house with my babies in tow i had a toddler and a newborn mm. and in the middle of the night i needed to use the bathroom and i couldn't get enough breath to produce the pressure i needed to urinate wow and that's when i knew something, something was so was wrong and i mm-hmm. i woke up my mother-in-law we called Uh, 911. And I was taken to the hospital in an ambulance holding my newborn because she was still nursing and I had no bottles, no milk, no, nothing. Right. And no formula. And so I was actually breastfeeding her on the way to the hospital. And that's when, um, I was diagnosed and my ejection fraction was 15%, which is normally about 55%, fifty-five percent, and he's mm-hmm. exactly. And so, eject, ejection fraction is how much your blood, your heart pushes out,
3: mm-hmm.
0: based
1: on how much it fills. And so, mine would fill, but only fifteen percent would go out. And so, it backed up into my lungs, mm-hmm. then backed up into my liver, mm-hmm. and uh, which is where the congestion name comes from. It right. just, you get congested, and so. Um, my i realized something was terribly wrong when a friend of mine who was the cardiologist on my case walked in and i could see see the fear in his eyes
3: mm-hmm.
0: and
1: i i couldn't deny it anymore
0: right right when your friends are when your friends are, are, are looking at you funny it it kinda, yeah. it kind of um makes it a little bit more real cuz we can it, rationalize yeah. anything and look at yes. you, you know. See, and and again, so I'm going to to stop right here in the story and and just point out a couple things. Mothers are something else, because here she is, she can't breathe, and but she's in the ambulance breastfeeding her baby. Let's just, did y'all catch that? Did y'all catch that point? I did. That's that's what we do, right? Because no matter what is going on with me, and and you know, and that's one of the reasons why. You know, I, I like to talk to women about heart disease and or about health in general because we are so busy taking care of other people, as we should, right, that we don't always stop and take time to take care of ourselves. The second point that I want to to point out to our listeners is, you know, one, doctors are not perfect. Something can look like something and we, you know, say we're going to try. So it looks like pneumonia, maybe. We're going to try this. It didn't get better. Now, here is where you can take two paths. You can say, I still don't feel well, so I'm going to go back to the hospital, right? Or what a lot of people do is just say, you know what? Well, maybe it just needs a little more time. I'm just gonna stick it out a little while longer. And so what I want to um, use Dr. Toomer's story to illustrate is that if what you have been told as a treatment is not working, you must go back. You absolutely must go back because it may be something else. Or it may be that that treatment isn't the best treatment for your particular situation very very plausible things. Would you agree, Doctor Toomer?
1: Absolutely.
0: So your your friend comes in, you the reality of it hits you. Yes. And so and I'll I'll say, you know, to diagnose congestive heart failure, they do what is called a cardiac echocardiogram, which is basically an ultrasound of the heart. Um and they can look and measure they can measure how big your heart is. They can measure this ejection fracture that a Dr. Toomer mentioned. Um, they can measure pressure gradients, all kinds of things. It's, it's an amazing test and it's a wonderful thing to see. Um, and so diagnosed with congestive heart failure. So what happened after that?
1: Well, the most immediate thing was that um, they needed to give me medication that I couldn't breastfeed on. Mm -hmm. So the first thing we did was try to figure out what formula my daughter could take. Mm -hmm. She was in a bassinet right next to me in the hospital because again, uh, until we could find some way of feeding her, I was her only source of nutrition. And so it delayed my treatment a little bit because we couldn't figure out that she spit up everything we tried to give her.
3: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We
1: finally came to a, uh, found one that she would take. And as soon as she started taking, she'd never used a bottle before. So she right. didn't even know, you know. how and to so get all that together. Was, yeah, exactly. So as soon as she was able, I was able to feed her outside of myself. The treatment started, which was a diuretic, pulled off the fluid. Mm-hmm. They gave me medicine to help my heart contract a little bit better so I could push out more than what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and that combination. And they put me on oxygen because my oxygen level was very, very low. Right because my lungs were filled with fluid right as that fluid started to come off then I was able to breathe better and I slowly started getting better Mm
3: -hmm.
1: my heart still wasn't working like it was supposed to but at least the symptoms had gone away right and um and then from there I just stayed in the hospital until I they felt I was stable enough to leave
0: so, you know, I'll, I'll point out, you know, as, as Dr. Toomer has just said that, you know, the heart failure was still there because once you have it, it doesn't go away. But through medicines, you can help the heart to, to function as, as it normally should, as best as it can. Um, and then, you know, the symptoms are, the symptom relief is really the goal. Because, of course, imagine, you know, if you can't breathe. You know, and and I've had heart failure patients tell me that when their heart failure, um, you know, flares up and the fluid is backed up into their lungs, it almost feels like breathing underwater. If you can imagine Absolutely. such a thing, and we are not fish. That is not how it goes, right? So, you know, so if you are dealing with congestive heart failure, you know, and and that was. You said 20 years ago,
1: right, Dr. Toomer? This was 20 years ago.
0: So even now there's just so many more advances in terms of the medicines that we can use. Um, And also I wanna point out when Dr. Toomer says she was put on a diuretic, we know that to be a water pill. Just so, Mm -hmm. you know, just so that we can uh, keep that going. And so now talk to me about this weight loss because I'm like 60 pounds in six months. I'm like, that's incredible.
1: Well, I knew enough. Of course, I'm, I'm a physician, sure. I, even though I was still a new physician. I knew that, you know, my heart does work based on the bo- size of my body. Mm-hmm. And so I knew that in order to reduce the work my heart had to do, I needed to reduce the size of my body. Mm-hmm. I also knew that my diabetes was part of the reason why I was obese and I was obese because of my diabetes. And so that's why I kind of hit them both at the same time. hmm. When I initially tried to lose weight, I had no motivation. I was still just too tired. No matter I, I just couldn't bring myself to do the things I needed to do. I had no motivation, which confused me because I had a newborn and a toddler that should have given me motivation and a husband, right? You know, I I was like, if I don't do this, I could die. Sure. Exactly. And so I, um, realized it was depression that was keeping me from being motivated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's what I went after first. Again, because of my heart and because uh, pregnancy related congestive heart failure is so rare. Most doctors, even cardiologists, don't always know how to treat it or they know how, but they've never actually seen it. Sure. And so n- no one would actually treat me for anything because they didn't know how it was going to affect my heart. So I ended up having to treat myself. So I put myself on an, an- on a antidepressant. It just so happened at that time, we didn't know this. Now we do, that the antidepressant that I like to use with my patients and that I use for myself is now actually part of a weight loss program. Hmm. It's used in weight loss. Um, It's called Wellbutrin or Bupropion. Got it. And so, and the reason I use that is because I knew it was quick acting.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Many antidepressants take four to six weeks before they really get to their full uh, sure. Potential. Right. This one works right away. And I knew I needed something that worked quickly. So that's what I used. Hmm. And since I wasn't breastfeeding anymore, I wasn't worried about, uh, it gave me the freedom to kind of pick and choose what sure. I could
0: use. Now, what, um, what implications did this have on you for any future pregnancies?
1: When I can't, I, you were advised I had to have not a tubal to... ligation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. The reason is even though, uh, Pregnancy-related congestive heart failure, many women actually do recover completely.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. The problem is, is uh, it has a very high mortality rate. Of those who don't recover,
3: mm-hmm.
1: there are two groups. Well, three groups. One who need heart transplants to recover. Mm-hmm. One who's on medication for the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. And the third is those who just don't make it. Right. And I fortunately fell into the group where I just needed to be on medication for the rest of my life, Mm -hmm. but I could function. But I, I, that, that function didn't actually happen at once. Um, I, after I got my depression well controlled, which was in a few weeks, actually,
3: Hmm.
1: I was able to start focusing on my diabetes and my weight. Mm -hmm. And once I was getting able to get my diabetes under control, my weight started falling. And as my weight started falling, my diabetes became easier to control and it started this nice cycle Mm -hmm. that uh, worked rather quickly. Um, One of the things I did realize during that time is that it came to food. I like food. Yes. And I wasn't terribly disciplined. (laughs) I'm, I'm not terribly disciplined. I'm not very good at telling myself I can't have something. Right. So a lot of what I did was figure out how I could have what I wanted without it causing my blood sugar to go up. Hmm. And And I started documenting for myself so that I could keep track of the amounts and, you know, what made it worse, what made it better and what I could adjust. And so as I kept those notes, they actually, I used them later, one for the rest to keep me healthy. But then I also started using them with other people as well. Interesting. But, but that six months, by six months, I was off insulin because I had um, gotten close to what would be considered a healthy weight, mm-hmm. which for me was healthy because I was no longer, I could control my diabetes just with diet. Wow. I still couldn't exercise because of my heart.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And so um, once I got into that nice rhythm, You know, I just stayed that way for years and years. And then my heart ejection fraction slowly improved. I was still on medication, but some of that medication was dropped. Sure. Um, Unfortunately, recently, my ejection fraction has dropped again. But because I've spent so many years taking care of myself, Mm -hmm. not just my physical self, but my emotional self and my wellness. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: I didn't even know when my heart deteriorated because I didn't feel it.
0: Wow. Wow,
1: Because I, I've just, I've, I've managed to keep my heart healthy, as healthy as it can be mm-hmm. under any circumstances. I just learned how to not let stress get to me I, because I knew stress was one of the things that would throw me off. Sure. And so I learned really good coping mechanisms in that regard. And so um, even though now my ejection fraction is somewhere around 25, okay, nobody would ever know it. Right, because sure until rep, like most people,
0: yeah, because yeah. I, I until you know I made mm-hmm. the I, I put it out that I needed someone with heart disease. I had no idea. I didn't know this part of your story.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, because when I met no. you, you no. looked like a healthy person. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so I right, and you are <laughs> with with a, with a backstory. How about that?
3: Yeah, healthy yeah,
0: with a backstory. Yeah. So you know, so that's yeah. that's an incredible thing. So two last questions. So, well, a question and then I want you to tell us about this weight loss. So now, what advice would you share about people who um, may be going through what you have gone Mm -hmm. through for different reasons, you know, with congestive heart failure? Okay.
1: First of all, I'd like to say, do not underestimate the emotional impact that um, the diagnosis has. Certainly. Where I trained, we were always told if someone has any cardiac um, diagnosis, to immediately start an antidepressant, hmm. there is some um, connection between our heart and our brain that is not fully understood. But I, th- but what is believed is that our heart is so vital to our survival mm-hmm. that when it is failing, our brain follows. Hmm. And so um, often, our neurotransmitters and um, the neurochemical changes in our brain that occur can lead to anxiety depression and those things in and of themselves can actually make the diagnosis worse and so to one pay attention to that the other is to recognize that your diagnosis is not who you are
0: I like it that. doesn't
1: identify you right it is just something you have it doesn't have you
3: I like
0: and that.
1: so that's also very important because it And the third is you have to recognize the impact it has on the people around you. They are affected as much by the diagnosis as you are. You're feeling it personally. So they usually keep it to themselves. Right. Because they're like, whatever they're feeling, they're like, well, it's obviously worse for you because you're actually experiencing it. Right. But they go through the same emotional roller coasters, the same sort of PTSD, the Mm -hmm. post-traumatic effects of a diagnosis that the actual person does so right. to recognize that and people react to that in very many in very strange ways some avoid you some <laughs> become hyper protective mm-hmm. you know some blame. you'll know, try to find reasons that you are the reason you have this right so that they can sort of protect themselves psychologically from saying it's not going to happen to me and so it kind of feels mm-hmm. like you're being blamed or right. accused of something right even though you may or may not have had control over what happened right And so that is my biggest advice. Just understand the emotional, psychological impact of a diagnosis on yourself and on those around you.
0: I love that. And we're going to have Dr. Toomer back to talk about her weight loss, but just give us a little tease and tell us where we can find you um, to maybe even sign up for for her weight loss course, which from what I understand is, is phenomenal. And, and has had uh, tremendous results for, for quite a few people. So, where can we find your weight loss program?
1: Well, there's several ways. The first way is to find me on my, my website and send me a message, which is drtumer.com, which is D R T O O M E R.com, my last name. Mm-hmm. And But the easiest way, really, is just to find me on social media. Um, I am. On Facebook is and Messenger is a good way. I'm C Harmon Tumor MD, um, and if you put in Catherine Harmon Tumor MD in Google, I'm the only one, so, so you'll I find am. me. So she's easy to find, and we of course will <laughs> will
0: post all of your links um, on our Facebook page, so that that is a a resource for people. Dr. Toomer, I look forward to talking to you again next month. And thank you so very much for sharing your story. This is very informative and encouraging and inspiring. And I'm I'm just honored to know you. Well, thank
1: you. I'm honored to know you. And I very much appreciate you having me.
0: Thank you so much. Dr. Catherine Toomer, everybody. This is uh, Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. We'll be right back after a quick break. If you are a certified medical professional, fitness trainer, author, or chef, Old Fashioned Health would love to promote your services or product on the Old Fashioned Health radio show. Please reach out to us. Call 404-793-3960 or email us at oldfashionedhealth@gmail.com. at gmail.com. You can also contact us at oldfashionedhealth.com. Old Fashioned Health, good health inside and out. Welcome back. Welcome back. You are listening live to your favorite health and wellness radio show, Dr. Well, excuse me, Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. We just had an incredible session with Dr. Catherine Toomer, who is a congestive, she's a physician and she also is a congestive heart failure survivor. Great story. And, and she gave us many, many pearls. And, you know, as I said, we will have her back um, to talk about weight loss, actually, next month. We will have her on. So I hope you all will tune in for that. And so, as we always do, we will finish out with our vitamin C. So this morning, I was watching um, the documentary Genius about Kanye West. And I know... Don't, don't come at me in the inbox. I know he's, he's got some stuff going on right now, and that's not what I'm talking about. Um, but in launching this, they had, um, you know, archival footage um, of him with his late mother, Dr. Donda West. And she said something that really made me sit up, and I had to rewind it a couple times to catch what she said. Um, and so she said, quote, A giant looks in the mirror and sees nothing. So what does that mean? Because that's what, you know, what caught me. I was like, sees nothing. He's looking in the mirror. Anyway, so I think that what that means is that the outside world may look at you and see a giant, a legend, superstar, whatever. But the giant doesn't see themselves that way at all. The statement reminds me to remain humble and also to remain hungry. I was telling a friend of mine this morning, you know, because we were discussing this statement and I was telling her, I was like, when I see myself, I still see the little girl with big dreams. But I'm also um, thinking of that statement as a way to be mindful about what I project to the outside world because someone may be looking at me and see a giant and I always want to conduct myself in ways that are not only authentic to who I am but also worthy of that praise and that's all I have to say about that so my friends thank you so so much for tuning in with us for my favorite hour of the week And until we meet again next week, be good to yourself, be good to each other, take care.